0: And welcome into another edition of Connor and coverage. Hopefully my sound doesn't drop out like it did on, I guess, Sunday show when we saw uh, Georgia Lamb, Brian McClendon as the wide receivers coach. My name is Connor Riley here. We're going to be talking latest signing day news as we preview that for tomorrow. Georgia could potentially get as many as five commitments. I don't think we're going to see that many, but they're in on a lot of targets. There are a lot of guys making the decision. There are a couple of guys that are committed that are going to sign. So we'll hopefully see that follow through. We're going to talk a little bit about the coaching news and moves that Georgia has made this week. Howdy, guys, on YouTube. George Wrigley, good to see you. We're going to talk Mike Bobo to Georgia, Brian McClendon to Georgia, what it all sort of means for Kirby Smart and and what he wants his program to be going forward and and what comes next. And and then we'll wrap up touching a little bit on Caleb Williams and really more what it means in terms of the quarterback shuffle that has gone around in college football this offseason, specifically, obviously, what it means for JT Daniels there, Chad Buchanan. Thanks. Good to hear, uh, uh, that you guys can hear me. Yeah. We, uh, we had a major audio issue on dog nation daily yesterday and spent much of yesterday trying to fix it. And of course, uh, we got everything fixed except for the one bug that involved me speaking, but I think we've got that solved and and, and know how to fix that going forward so that it shouldn't be an issue anymore. And I'm glad to see that my, uh, My audio is much better here, so thank you guys for that. If there are any audio issues, please uh, feel free to let me know in the comments section there as well. And obviously, Wednesday night, taking some of your guys' comments, questions, thoughts, previews for signing day. I've seen people already asking, is Georgia going to get Christian Miller? I will note, Dog Nation will be on hand tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time on the various Dog Nation channels to cover Miller's commitment there live. And – History has shown that's usually a pretty good thing. However, on early signing day, it was not exactly a a, a good news for Georgia as Jeff was down in Florida for Kamari Wilson to see him pick Florida. But we are planning to be live from uh, Cedar Grove High School where Christian Miller is set to announce he's the number 102 overall prospect. And with that in mind, let's sort of dive into that as our first sort of topic here for tonight. Previewing National Signing Day, what to expect, who is announcing, where Georgia might end up what Georgia has sort of left out there and what it says about this recruiting class. And so made a handy dandy sort of signing day schedule for you guys right here. Names to know who is announcing, who is expected to sign and what time these sort of announcements and things will all happen. So we'll start the day 8:30 AM Eastern time, Dylan bell, three-star wide receiver from Houston, Texas has been committed to Georgia since over the summer. He is expected to sign with Georgia. That is, pretty much what he has said and intended Georgia needs more wide receiver bodies after three guys transfer out Jermaine Burton, Jalen Johnson, Justin Robinson, all Jays there. And then George Pickens obviously going on to the NFL draft bill is, will be the fourth wide receiver in Georgia's 2022 signing class, joining CJ Smith, Cole Spear and Denyland Morissette, Morissette and CJ Smith are both already on campus for Georgia Spear and Dylan Bell will arrive obviously over the summer there. Up next, you have Darius Smith, a four-star edge rusher. A little bit of news here before he came on tonight. C.J. Madden underwent labrum surgery. He's expected now to miss spring practice, but is also expected to be back in time for fall camp. You can check out more on that story on dognation.com. But Darius Smith, four-star edge rusher of Baxley, Georgia, played for Appling County High School down there. in that part of the state. He is expected to sign with Georgia at 9 30 a.m those two guys Georgia commits they're going to get the, the news out of the way early as we move on into the day the 12 p.m hour that's where things really start to get interesting for Georgia as we mentioned before Christian Miller four-star defensive tackle or defensive lineman really I think he will be a versatile college player and able to move around he's expected to announce at 12 p.m dog nation will be there on hand at Cedar Grove High School to cover that announcement uh, obviously Miller's teammate is CJ Madden who we touched on a second ago uh, I, I think Miller. The if you land him, this is a really, really strong defensive line class already. And if you add in another talented player like Miller, yes, you lose Jordan Davis, you lose uh, Trayvon Walker, you lose Devontae Wyatt. Guys, I've written have all could potentially be first round draft picks. Well, landing Michael Williams and Bear Alexander, who are already on campus, and then adding Christian Miller on top of that, I think really sets you up nicely for this defensive line going forward and puts you in a spot where you can really, you know, maybe not necessarily next year, but two years, three years from now, have a real impactful defensive line like we saw this season. At 12 p.m., Georgia running back commit Jordan James is expected to sign, but I would note here that it is not the expectation around Dog Nation that he ends up signing with Georgia. I actually believe that he is going to sign, I believe, with Oregon. That is the thought there, joining Dan Lanning. Uh had a chance to sign with Georgia in the early period, wanted to get him in early. They were not able to do so. And so it looks like he might end up going elsewhere. Not on this graphic, but I should have. I was rushed making it up. I was obviously late getting on tonight, which isn't great. But Andrew Paul, three-star running back out of the Dallas, Texas area. He is going to announce at 1220. So in that 12 to 1230 window, we'll know about Christian Miller, Jordan James, and Andrew Paul, I think the bigger targets of the day, at least that are somewhat realistic for Georgia in that window. It sounds like for Paul, is between Georgia and Clemson. We will see how that battle turns out. As I wrote this afternoon, Georgia's going to need another running back because it stands right now, even with Branson Robinson arriving this summer, Georgia's only going to have four scholarship running backs as it stands right now, and I expect James to ultimately end up at Oregon or elsewhere. And, And As Alabama showed this season, if you don't have great running back depth it really puts you in a bind with what you want to do offensively. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia were to miss on James and Andrew Paul, then to look in the transfer portal for running back help there. Uh, I I would note that before we got on here tonight, uh, Kamar Wheaton, the number one overall running back in the 2021 recruiting class, he has entered the transfer portal from Alabama. sounds like he never really had the year there. He envisioned was unable to get healthy. And so we'll see what happens with kamar wheaton there but he is on the move from alabama moving back here to national signing day times to know shamar stewart the biggest name that georgia is in for five-star defensive lineman from from south florida i don't think he's coming to georgia but georgia will be a hat on the table in this instance georgia Texas texana miami are his finalists. georgia did host him on a visit this month but it sounds like texas a&m and miami are battling for stewart and it sounds like a&m might have the lead right now but we'll see how uh, how mario cristobal is potentially able to finish there, stewart being an obvious priority for him and what Miami wants to be going forward. And then wrapping things up of the guys that Georgia is sort of in on EJ Lightsey, a linebacker from Fitzgerald, Georgia, one-time Florida commit. He is expected to sign and announce at 2 PM. I, I think Georgia feels very good about what they have there. You see Georgia, they lose Quay Walker, they lose Channing Tindall, they lose Nicobe Dean, three linebackers who are all going to be drafted in the first three, maybe four rounds of this upcoming NFL draft. You bring in C.J. Washington, you bring in Jalen Walker, both early enrollees, adding Lightsey to that mix. It creates an even number in terms of depth and where you are going forward. And as I think we've said before, while, yes, you lose a ton of talent at that linebacker room, I think there's a real, real excitement for what guys like Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Sabian Sori, Schmael Munden, even older guys like Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall can potentially bring to this field and to this team. So while, yes, you do lose some talented players at that linebacker room there, I think you like what you have uh, in terms of experience depth behind that. So that's sort of the times there again for national signing day. We'll run through it one last time here. Dylan Bell and Darius Smith current UGA commits announcing at eight 30 for Bell nine 30 for Smith Christian Miller. Georgia's I would say probably top realistic target for tomorrow. Number 102 overall player in the class. He is announcing at 12 PM. We'll have that covered for you live on the various dog nation platforms Running back commit Jordan James is expected to sign at 12 p.m., but as we touched on earlier, it seems like he is trending towards Oregon. Andrew Paul, another running back target for Georgia, he is announcing at 1220. That is between Georgia and Clemson, it sounds like. And then to sort of wrap things up there, Shamar Stewart is announcing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, though it doesn't seem like he's going to ultimately end up at Georgia. And then EJ Lightsey, a three-star linebacker out of Fitzgerald, Georgia, is announcing at 2 p.m. We will hear from Kirby Smart tomorrow. He'll talk about, obviously, the recruiting class that Georgia has signed or is expected to sign, no breaking news right there, wrong click of the button. But uh, we'll have uh, Kirby Smart talking about recruiting class tomorrow, ultimately what he has seen. It'll be the first time we've talked to him in sort of an interview setting since the day after the national championship game. And we'll sort of use that as our segue here, You know, having touched on national signing day and what Georgia is expected to do there. Georgia made some coaching hires in the last week. Uh, they've added Mike Bobo as an offensive analyst. They've added Brian McClendon as the wide receivers coach there. You saw this weekend, Georgia putting up the fancy graphics, or I guess one of these came out on Friday. One of these came out on Monday, but it felt like this news really, I would say dominated the news cycle of the weekend. You obviously have McClendon coming from Miami, you mentioned Mario Cristobal earlier. He's going to be past game coordinator wide receivers coach. That is the same title held by Cortez Hankton, who is now at LSU and got a mighty fine raise to do so. And I would probably guess that when we get Brian McClendon's salary, it's probably going to be more than what Cortez Hankton was making here at Georgia. And then obviously I think the bigger name between these two, Mike Bobo, he is joining as an offensive analyst and a lot of people want to make a lot out of this and what it might mean. Obviously Bobo, a controversial figure of sorts given his earlier time at Georgia. I'll note, I am a a fan of Bobo. I liked what he had done. I, I thought what you saw at Auburn this year, you know, there was a time this season when they were six and two in a top fifteen team in the country, and Bo Nix was looking like a real difference maker at the SEC level. Obviously, then Nix breaks his ankle, and that Auburn program really unravels from there. And if you want to point to, oh, well, he's been fired at his last two jobs. What well, I'd point out that Georgia seems pretty happy with what they've gotten out of Will Muschamp so far, who was with Bobo at South Carolina, and I don't know how you really look at Auburn right now what Brian Harson has had to go through these last couple of weeks and really been all that, you know, confident in what Harson was able to do. And you no know, Bobo, even his time at Georgia, I think if you look at the 2014 and 2015 seasons, Georgia's offense in 2014, his last year coordinating here for, at the university of Georgia, averaged 41 points a game. That's more than the offense's average at any point under Kirby smart. And sure. He had some flaws early on in his time as a play caller, I guess, 2009, 2010, when you had Joe Cox and Aaron Murray there, but, Aaron Murray also went on to lead uh, to to set records uh, on the SEC level in terms of passing yardage and what he was able to do. So, and it's also, I point out, it's not like Bobo is calling the offense here. He's going to help, you know, coach the coaches, scout, design plays. But obviously Todd Munkin, is going to continue to have the final say in this offense. And unless he gets hired by an NFL team, I'm not sure that's going and and we'll see if that ultimately ends up happening, but Todd is not going anywhere unless it's to the NFL. And he is very likely in my opinion, going to be getting a nice pay raise to be the offensive coordinator. Once again, at Georgia for the 2022 season. So, you know Buster Faulkner, Mike Bobo, uh, Brian McClendon as well. We'll touch a little bit on the recruiting because I've seen some some questions in the chat, obviously already about what McClendon brings from a recruiting aspect. It's an offense. It's a It's an offensive room that yes, Bobo and Kirby Smart obviously have a, a prior relationship, but Mike Bobo is still a really good offensive mind, and if you can add that to what you have with guys like Matt Luke. Todd Munkin, Del McGee, if you can add that into your mix, you've sort of seen Nick Saban do this. Now, sure, he had Steve Sarkeesian, Bill O'Brien, you know, Doug Marone already moving on after one year there at Alabama. But you you see all that, and, and that's what he's building. It's not – you know, again, Mike Bobo's not calling plays for Georgia next season. It, it is a, a, another sous chef. It is another line cook. It is – in terms of building the offense in that kitchen – he is not the head chef for Georgia. He is going to be a guy that is going to be able to help out, man his station, and I think really help this program. And we've seen analysts play big roles for Georgia moving forward. And I think Bobo is absolutely going to that. Could I one day see Mike Bobo being back on the field for Georgia? Yeah, I could. I think he could very much follow a a similar path of sorts that must jam followed where it comes in as an analyst eventually moves his way on the, onto the field and plays a big role for Georgia and what they want to do. Bobo. And I would also note, and I'll tie this into McClendon here, Bobo and McClendon are two very respected coaches in this state. And I think with the way the transfer portal has worked and what we have seen from that and what we've seen with NIL, It's going to become more important than ever to recruit your local area. And Georgia, interestingly enough, in 2019 and 2020, and those recruiting classes before, obviously, transfer portal, before COVID even, uh, those recruiting classes, Georgia was really skewing more national. They They were going national to get recruits. And now I think you turn that around, they see the importance of owning the state of Georgia. And not that they didn't own it before or see the importance of that, but I think with the transfer portal and what they've seen happen, they really understand the significance of this, of being able to to establish relationships with guys in, in, on an in-state level. And so going forward, yeah, a way to prevent against guys leaving the transfer portal is to recruit guys who already are from the state of Georgia. You know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, the guys at Georgia eyes that we touched on earlier, Christian Miller, EJ Lightsley, where are those guys both from? They're both from the state of Georgia. And so, from a recruiting aspect and not getting quite yet into the ride receiver aspect of this. But I do think that this is a move to further solidify what Georgia can do within the state of Georgia, because yes, they had some success there this year. Obviously I think landing they'll have landed when it's all said and done six of the top 12 players in the state of Georgia, but with Bobo and McClendon moving forward, could you potentially get that to say eight out of 12? Could you, you know, Texas A&M came in and got two of the top players in this state, uh, uh, Matt, uh, Jake Johnson, excuse me. And Deion Bowie, Alabama comes in, they get Elijah Pritchard. And there is one more that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but he was a top five prospect that I'm trying to cycle through here. Um, And I'm sure he'll come to me eventually, but the larger point being, you know, you look at Alabama, Will Anderson's their best defensive player, maybe the best player overall. He's from the state of Georgia. So if if bringing in Bobo, bringing McClendon, help you recruit the state of Georgia, regardless of what they give you in terms of offensive philosophy or or mindset out there, I think that's a big win. As far as shifting gears here a little bit and focusing more on McClendon, I think this is a home run hire for Georgia and what they've been able to do. I mean, short of Brian Hartline, I think this is about as great as Georgia could do from a wide receivers coach. He's a guy who obviously has ties to Georgia, but also has has forged his reputation outside of the state. He was recruiting well for Miami before getting plucked from there. He had to recruit up at Oregon, uh, recruiting at South Carolina, a very tough place to recruit and get players from the Metro Atlanta area. McClain has done all of that. And I think, Early on in his tenure, he's going to be judged, fair or not, by how well he recruits, specifically in the 2023 recruiting class. And obviously, we all saw the Brandon Innes tweet from this weekend, five-star wide receiver from South Florida, American Heritage High School, the same spot where Marvin Jones Jr., a five-star signee in Georgia's 2022 recruiting class came from. But, and this is where McClendon's past experience helps here as well, guys like Sonny Michelle, Isaiah McKenzie, and McKenzie guys he helped recruit play that position for, or played at that very same high school for Georgia. So McClendon early on in his tenure is going to be judged as a recruiter because uh, while Cortez Hankton did a lot of really good things as Georgia's uh, receivers coach, was instrumental in those 2019 and 2020 recruiting classes, uh, played a part in Ladd McConkey, Adani Mitchell, even Jermaine Burton in 2020. Guys getting on the field and making an early impact, that does speak to what Uh, Cortez Hankton is able to do as a developer and as as a teacher at the position. But I think we'd all probably agree here. These last two recruiting cycles, even with as good as Adonai Mitchell was this season and how undervalued he was, the wide receiver room is not up to par with the rest of this Georgia roster in terms of the recruits that they are bringing in on an annual basis. Uh, Georgia has not signed a top 100 wide receiver in either of the last two classes that wide receiver is the only position that you can say that about and i would add as well Georgia has not signed a top 200 player as a wide receiver in the last two classes now you can say that wide uh, recruiting rankings aren't everything but i do think it's pretty telling that every other position on the field for georgia has sort of seen that so early on for brian mcclendon Obviously, he's going to need to get more out of his wide receiver room this coming season, just given what Georgia stands to lose on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't even know how much of that is on McClendon at this point in time because really the guys that I think have the highest ceiling in the room, Kiaris Jackson, Dominic Blaylock, Arian Smith, I'll throw Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint in there, all those guys miss multiple games due to injury this season. And so the biggest thing for McClendon in terms of an on-field performance standpoint, if you can get those guys healthy and you can see continued development from A.D. Mitchell and you can see continued development – from Ladd McConkey. I think that's what's going to 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 really help out McClendon here early on in year 1. But I you know how McClendon is ultimately judged going forward, I think it's going to ultimately come down to how well is he recruiting specifically in that 2023 recruiting class? If he's able to land a top 100 guy or two, I think that's going to go a long way in quelling sort of the narrative out there that exists about this Georgia room, about this Georgia wide receiver room. And you know, people want to say, Oh, well, it's Stetson Bennett. He's the reason why Georgia wasn't getting those guys. Well, I mean, in 2021, JT Daniels pretty clearly took over the job as the starting quarterback at the end of the season going into National Signing Day, going into the early signing period. It still didn't matter all that much who the quarterback was there. And I would even – so, you know, having said all that, I I do think that going forward, that's what George is going to sort of have to battle against. But they'll be fine with that. You know, George Pickens is going to go and I think be a second-round draft pick. And if, you know, his medicals look great, when he goes to Indianapolis uh, in early March, you know maybe he potentially sneaks into the first round there, depending on how he tests out. So that's going to help Georgia, I think. As guys like Kyrus Jackson get healthy, as Todd Munkin returns for another year, he's going to employ this wide receiver room in a way to take advantage of the guys' skill sets that they have in there. So Donnie Mitchell gets another year in the program, helps shore up some of the drops that he had this season as as. Lad McConkie becomes a, a more versatile offensive weapon. I don't want to say they're going to use him like Debo Samuel because you're going to hear that from now till the start of next season. Who is the next Debo Samuel? But I think we've seen at times with Munkin, he's willing to use Lad McConkey in sort of that all-purpose role. He's obviously not as physical, I think, as Debo Samuel is, but I think he's a guy who's a versatile weapon. And on that same point, I think you could see guys like Kyrus Jackson – and Dominic Blaylock, provided that they're both healthy, used in sort of similar type versatile roles going forward. So I do think that's going to be something to watch there going forward. But at the end of the day, when it comes to McClendon and it comes to Mike Bobo, I think Georgia's offense from a schematic standpoint, from an experience standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, got markedly better. We know, I think going forward, you feel better about this Georgia offense going forward. If I told you on January 11th, you're going to lose Cortez Hankton, but you're going to gain Brian McClendon. You're going to add Mike Bobo as an analyst. You're going to keep Todd Munkin as an offensive coordinator. And just about everybody out there would take that, along with retaining Del McGee, retaining Matt Luke for another year as well there. And Todd Hartley, I shouldn't leave him out. He's recruiting, I would say, his position, other than maybe, again, Brian Hartline for Ohio State. And even, even including Hartline with what we saw from Brock Bowers this year. I don't know if there's a position coach who's doing a better job coaching his position in college football right now than Todd Hartley. So having said all that, you know, they add Mike Bobo, they add Brian McClendon. I think they're good ads to the offense. I know there's obviously some trepidation with Bobo. I think Georgia is going to be fine with that. They understand that. And you might say, oh, this could be, you know, being buddy, buddy. I don't think that this is it. You know, you could have said the same thing about, Will Muschamp a season ago. And look how that worked out. I think he, Muschamp played huge dividends for Georgia on the recruiting trail. I think he helped out with the secondary there when Scott Cochran stepped away. He stepped in. I think having more head coaches on your coaching staff, even if you're Kirby Smart, who is now six years in and has won a national championship, having more guys with diverse backgrounds, guys like Brian McClendon, I think that's only going to continue to help you improve the coach going forward. So, that will sort of wrap up our second topic there. And I'm going to make sure my computer does not fall over. But before we get to questions, one last sort of quick toe tag of the quarterback carousel, sort of what comes next. Caleb Williams, a guy who had, very briefly been mentioned at tie to Georgia and where he might go, uh, I never really much believed that and find a whole lot of validity to that. I think Georgia very much likes what it had in its quarterback room. And that's obviously even before JT Daniels entered the transfer portal, but they're bringing back Stetson Bennett. They're bringing back Brock Vandegrift, Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton coming in as a 2022 signee. They like what they have in this quarterback room going forward. Today, Caleb Williams ends all speculation. It had been sort of a wild ride. You'd seen LSU, you'd seen Wisconsin, you'd seen Georgia. But I would say the most consistent team throughout all this USC is ultimately where Caleb Williams ends up going. He announces today that he is going to be a Trojan following Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to California. Ultimately, I don't think this is all that surprising. I I think Williams sees the value in going to USC, playing with Lincoln Riley. There's going to be some familiarity there. It's a place where this year we'll see. There will probably be a little bit of growing pains for USC as they make some some changes. They went 4-8 this past season. This program is not – in a spot where adding Williams makes them an instant playoff contender. But I think it's going to set them up where in 2023, Williams is probably going to be the guy who is the face of that program and potentially positioning them to make that next big leap going forward. So uh, what it all means going forward, we've already seen Jackson Dart, the former USC quarterback, I believe top five, one of the top quarterback prospects in the 2021 recruiting cycle. He ultimately goes to Ole Miss. I believe Georgia will see him in the 2023 season uh Brock Vandegriff is obviously staying at Georgia and I think that's a good thing for the Bulldogs going forward as I have said time and time again he is the quarterback of the future JT Daniels is in the transfer portal as it stands right now he will be unable to transfer until he graduates in the spring uh at least he will be unable to enroll elsewhere come the spring and I I think knowing what we know now JT is going to wait to sort of see how, how things shake out after spring practice from from there make his decision you can read more about JT Daniels and sort of his path forward. Uh, because Mike Griffith wrote a really good story on that this morning. Uh, You can read about that on Dog Nation along with all of Mike's other coverage from the Senior Bowl going forward. But JT Daniels in the transfer portal, USC, ultimately ends up landing Caleb Williams. I don't think very many people are surprised about that. And with Daniels, it's going to be a wait and see, see how things play out in spring practice before he ultimately makes his decision. As far as Georgia's own quarterback room, I would expect going forward, Stetson Bennett's going to be your starter. You're going to see a fierce battle from Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck to really push Bennett for starters reps and ultimately for the backup role there. And then Gunnar Stockton, you can mention him as a name there as well. But I think it's going to be a, a Brock Carson battle that I think is going to be the most interesting thing watching coming out of spring practice. And ultimately it's going to be something that I think continues into the fall. And I'll be really interested to see, you know, Stetson Bennett has very obviously earned, I think being a starting quarterback going forward. We'll see if Kirby Smart ultimately names him as such, but there's going to be some competition there. And I think you want to have that healthy competition going forward because I do think part of the, you know, discussion around Stetson Bennett this season was fueled by so firmly planting your flag in JT Daniels backyard as JT is our guy, he's our starting quarterback. And when Stetson ultimately becomes that guy later on in the season, there's some confusion there. And so I do think maybe you handle that a little bit differently, but I will say as of right now on February 1st, day before national signing day, I think Stetson Bennett's going to be your starting quarterback against Oregon on September 3rd for Georgia there. Now Brock Vandergriff could come out and look like Tom Brady or whatever great quarterback you want to describe him as, but I think Stetson Bennett is going to be your starter to start the season there, and I realize I've just stepped into a bear trap. As I am going to open up comments, thoughts, questions you guys might have going forward, and what is going to happen. Thoughts on signing day for tomorrow? Questions we will answer that to the best of our abilities. Uh, whatever you guys really want to talk about, let's see. Uh, Jerry Dogs fan, you, you heard uh, Brian Kelly. Might be in a Dirty Dancing re- reboot, Dirty Dancing family. Uh, don't look, don't, don't, don't be scandalized by this. I, I said it a while ago. This is all a, a ploy for attention from from Brian Kelly. He wants to be known as that sort of guy going forward, and you know, like Lane Kiffin with his transfer portal memes and whatnot. It, these guys just want attention because they think that's what high school recruits are giving. and and crave from that. And so don't, don't give Brian Kelly the cloud. He he's not smarter than, than we think it is. Uh, Chad Buchanan, uh, Mike Bell was a good quarterback coach. I probably agree with that sentiment there. And so going forward, it's going to be interesting to sort of see what this staff looks like from an input standpoint. Obviously Todd Munkin is probably has the highest overall approval rating of any offensive coordinator that Georgia has had certainly in my lifetime. So, you know, Bobo in there, Bobo's not going to overstep his grounds. And he knows Bobo, given the turnover he's had, he's been fired in his last three jobs in the last three years from Colorado State, from South Carolina, from Auburn. I'm sure he and his family would really like some stability. And and Georgia offers that right now. You're the defending national champion. And you're a place where you can stick around for a few years, whether that be as an analyst role or ultimately moving into an on-field coaching job role. So I, I, I agree with Chad there that, Bobo is a good quarterback coach and a guy who is going to be, I think around for quite a while when it comes to Georgia. Uh, let's do some scrolling. Uh, John miles is Andrew Paul signing with Georgia tomorrow. That's one of the more interesting questions. It's it's down between Georgia and Clemson there. Clemson did get the jump on him early. Georgia is pushing hard late for him in his services. So We'll see ultimately what that ends up being. I think that's gonna be a, a real differentiator in the day in terms of what makes a successful sort of signing class for Georgia in terms of, you know, their overall haul. Because again, if you're only having four scholarship running backs, it'd be a first under Kirby Smart's time as a head coach and As I've said before, you look at Alabama, how quickly running back injuries accumulate, especially with how physical I think Georgia wants to be going forward. And Kenny McIntosh has missed time before. Kendall Milton has had an MCL injury in each of the two years he's been on campus. So it's definitely going to be something to watch there going forward. Let's see. Uh, Shane Taylor. I don't, doing the math on this, I don't think Georgia is going to ultimately be able to overtake Alabama uh, form from for the number two class, unless somehow Shamar Stewart ends up in this class for Georgia, which at this point in time, I would be surprised. So let's see. Uh, Jimmy Durham. This is a good question. Uh, where are we in relationship to the 85 number? Uh, my unofficial math right now has it. And again, we're never going to get an official update for Georgia. They guard this like gold and Fort Knox. Um, my unofficial count right now is Georgia's at 82 scholarship players. So they're well under for the 85 for when it comes to getting through spring practice, but they're probably going to have to have, I think six or seven or even eight guys hit the transfer portal because as it stands right now, you've got six signees who are set to arrive in over the summer. So that puts you up to 88 as it stands right now. They're, you know, let's say let's say they get the four guys that I think they're going to get tomorrow: Christian Miller, E.J. Lightsey, Dylan Bell, and Darius Smith. That puts you up to 92. So you have to get from 92 to 85, and probably even lower than that. As mentioned, out you've got there as well the potential to get to the transfer portal. So you might as well see many as 10 guys hit the port hit the transfer portal from Georgia's current roster. If you, know, you want to add, say, a wide receiver, if you want to add a running back, if you want to add, say, a safety there. So you have to get down to that number, and I'll point out here as well, there is some question on the math as far as whether or not the super seniors count towards the 85. It's widely believed that they do, whereas they did not in this past season. So what that essentially means is that guys like Stetson Bennett, and I don't say guys, we know who these players are, Stetson Bennett, Robert Beal, William Poole and Chris Smith. There's some question about whether or not they count to the 85 man scholarship. If they don't, you essentially cut the guys that you need to have transfer down to about three, four, five. If they do count, you're looking at eight, nine, 10. If you're trying to get under the 85 and also have room to add via the transfer portal, which I think we all expect Georgia to ultimately do there. Sorry for some uh, math off the top there, but that's where we're at. um thoughts yeah uh, jeremy mentioned this earlier tonight kamar wheaton uh transferring from alabama uh, number one overall running back in the 2021 recruiting cycle never seemed like he got healthy never really seemed to get in a place where he was able to contribute this season and so he's looking to go elsewhere from the state of texas i believe so something interesting to watch there going forward let's see uh ba's natty scarf uh (laughs) I'd love to see Julian Rochester come back next season. I think there's actually be, you know, a a chance for him to really contribute. uh, uh, Just given what we saw depart off of Georgia's defensive line this season, a guy who signed in Georgia's 2016 class Kirby smarts first class at the university of Georgia. But I believe uh, Julian Rochester barring some unforeseen circumstances, uh, his time at Georgia is done. Uh, Marvin Rogers is going to be supplies flip tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, As I pointed out today, you know, this time back in 2019, nobody really thought Georgia was going to end up with George Pickens, and then the next day, you've got Brandon Adams asking, is this real? And it turns out to be so, and George ultimately ends up playing a key role in Georgia winning a national championship there. So, Kirby Smart's always known to have one or two tricks up his sleeve, and I would not be surprised in the slightest if we see some quote-unquote surprises. Uh, hold on, green, so, green shoulder. Uh, I'm sure Auburn fans are sweating. Look, this is – Brian Harson entered Auburn under a ton of pressure and it has gone maybe about as poorly as they could have imagined. Lose five straight games to end the 2021 season. I, I don't mind saying, I don't think he's going to be around Auburn for much longer. It was a strange culture fit. Tried to, I think embrace that culture fit by hiring guys like Mike Bobo, hiring Derek Mason there. And then weirdly when they didn't work out, he tried to get guys who sort of fit his style and his system, but he has essentially burned all goodwill that he has had there. They've had eight defensive linemen and their transfer portal for them. That is not a way to win football games at the SEC level. Even if a lot of those guys coming back are starters and contributors, that that's a real dangerous game to play there and you know, they they did better than I will say I thought they could have done from a recruiting standpoint in the early signing period, but they're still only 8th in the SEC and Auburn is not envisioning itself being saddled around the Missouris, the Kentuckys, the South Carolinas in terms of their recruiting classes and ultimately where they have to be in the standings. They're a team that believes, rightly or wrongly, that they can compete with Georgia and Alabama on a yearly basis and win the SEC West every once in a while. And it just doesn't look like they're going to be able to do that with Brian Harson. So barring a stunning turnaround in year two under Harson, who has some major questions when it comes to the quarterback position. Obviously, their OC, Austin Davis, steps down, looking for another one there from Harson. It's going to be really interesting uh, to sort of see how he navigates this. And ultimately, I think Auburn, this time next year, we're going to be talking about a new coach there. Let's see. Yeah, to BA's Natty Scarf points out, I mean, at this point, you might as well have kept Gus. Uh, But Auburn very clearly, I think, undercut him at the end of his tenure there and we're ready for ready to move on. And I understand that, you know, at a certain point time has run its course. So let's see. Uh, Quincy Morris. Uh, no, Georgia does not have any Juco players coming in. Uh, these are all guys from the high school ranks. 18 have already enrolled at Georgia. Let me see if I can rattle them off the top of my head. The 18 early enrollees are Gunner Stockton a quarterback CJ Smith and Denial and Morriset Morissette, excuse me, at wide receiver. At tight end, you've got Oscar Delp. On the offensive line, you've got Ernest Green, Griffin Scroggs, Alu and Jacob Hood. I'll put you at eight. On the defensive side of the ball, you've got Michael Williams, Bear Alexander, CJ Madden, Jalen Walker, CJ Washington. Malachi Starks, Ja'Cory Thomas, Dalen Everett, Brett Thorson is your punter. So that means that I am missing one somewhere. It's not Marvin Jones Jr. It's not um, It's not Branson Robinson. It's not Jaheim Singletary. It's not Julian Humphrey. I put you at four. It is not Drew Bobo. It is not Cole Spear. Who am I blanking on? This is not good. Uh, anyway, there are 18 early enrollees. As I come one short up there, you know, math is not my subject. Echoes are not my uh, my strong suit either. Obviously, my appearance on Dog Nation Daily this morning, but we believe we've got that fix going forward. So, 18 early enrollees there for Georgia. Let's see, Daniel Taylor. Uh, as far as the transfer portal, I think Georgia's going to wait. Uh, to really identify guys and see who comes out after spring. They want to have a better idea of, of where this roster might be, who might be ready to contribute and potentially play early. And from that as well, have a better understanding of what their true needs might be. I would say personally for me, I think you look at a wide receiver position. I think you look at the safety position and maybe depending on what happens tomorrow with Andrew Paul and, and Jordan James, maybe you're potentially looking at running back there as well. But I think a difference maker at wide receiver, maybe another healthy body at, at at safety, maybe not exactly in the Darian Kendrick role, but say like the Brandon Turner's role, who ultimately they weren't able to hang on to as he transferred to, to Tennessee. But think in that sort of role, but obviously a difference maker at wide receiver. You have a, a guy who can help out with depth and possibly play if need be in the secondary and then running back or outside linebacker. And I'll note Georgia really only takes guys that have high major experience or experience of playing at a high major program. You look last year, Darian Kendrick came from Clemson. Arik Gilbert came from LSU. Tykey Smith came from West Virginia. You know, JT Daniels, Jamie Newman, Wake Forest and USC, Trey McKitty, uh, Eli Wolf. Those guys came from Florida State and Tennessee. So look for Georgia to look for guys that are, you know, potential contributors at the wide receiver spot or at the safety spot. And then obviously have a high major background. The last uh, non-Power 5 player that Georgia took, I believe, was J.R. Reed as a transfer. And that was back in 2016. Now, obviously, that worked out very well. But at the same point in time, you know, things have changed since then. Yeah, Randy Hall, uh, Jaheim Singletary is not an early enrollee for Georgia. He, he and Julian Humphrey will both arrive this summer. Let's see. Uh, hold on. Uh, I do wanna, uh, Bill Kibbe thinks that in two years, the biggest problem in the East is going to be Tennessee. I got to see more from their defense. Uh, yes, he, he, he I think did the most with the least in year one in terms of getting that program up a level and what they have done with that offense. And I think scoring points is not going to be a problem for Tennessee going forward. I know a lot of people like Hendon Hooker. Quite frankly, when I saw him play, I think I saw who exactly who he was, a guy who can put up good stats against inferior competition, but when you have to ratchet up your your intensity against, say, in Alabama or against a Georgia, I, I just don't know that he's the difference maker that people think he might ultimately be, especially when you just look at his stats. I, I think his game tape does not match what his stats indicate there. So I, I really want to see him continue to add talent, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, because you even look at his time at UCF, those teams got progressively worse Every season, you know, obviously not exponentially worse, but they took small steps back in each of his years there. I think in part because you know there were some questions about him as a recruiter and when you see his scheme more often you have a better understanding of it it's not a coincidence the only time Kirby Smart lost to Paul Johnson was the first year that he played that triple option offense and once he understood sort of how to go about it and how to go about defending it and how to prepare for it over the course of the season and we'll see Georgia do this as well they mentioned this year before their bye week you know trying to adjust to Tennessee's tempo as you sort of get more acclimated with seeing that type of offense every year it becomes easier to defend so i think shane beamer at south carolina is is interesting i don't think that they might improve on their record this season given their schedule i think they draw lsu and texas a&m out of the sec west that really stinks for them but they're a team that i think is going to make an improvement in terms of the product that they put out on the field i think billy napier year one it's going to be tough to say but year two he might be able to put things in place to really turn things around and look you know kentucky i don't think they're ever really going to be a threat to georgia but at the same point in time, it's a program that is very consistent and, and really built things out. And uh, Liam Cohn is a fantastic offensive coordinator. If you know, in the event that Todd Munkin leaves, I think that's somebody that they should take a hard look at. Uh, just given his success that at Kentucky this season, what he did with Will Levis, and and they're a program that bring back Levis, they bring back Chris Rodriguez. It's a program that's built along the lines of scrimmage, and so I, I think Kentucky's going to be in a place going forward where, you know, they might not be a threat to Georgia every season, but as it stands right now with the way the SEC East is, they can beat a Florida pretty regularly. They can beat a Tennessee. They can beat a South Carolina, and pretty consistently be the number two team in the SEC East. Kathy Aquavia Green. Good to see you. Let's see. Uh, Thoughts, comments, questions. Uh, Todd Gurley, and this is not obviously the real Todd Gurley. Who should we expect the most out of in this incoming class? I will answer this in terms of a year one and then obviously a a long-term projection. I would say the two guys – that you're probably most interested in, I think, are Michael Williams and Marvin Jones Jr. I think their athletic profiles and their potential to get better, I think, really intrigues me. I don't want to compare Michael Williams to Trayvon Walker, but there are similar sort of vibes there. You know, Michael might not be the same overall athlete, but he might be a more actual finished product or closer to his finished product than Trayvon was. And as far as Marvin Jones Jr., incredibly long great bloodlines and is actually hasn't been playing the outside linebacker edge rusher position for all that long and so as he gets more comfortable in that position i think he's got a really high ceiling for georgia going forward uh I, I think year one and he might ultimately end up being the best guy in this class because i think he's the best pure athlete it's malachi starks a guy who you're gonna see georgia probably give him reps at safety at during spring game during the spring game. And during the spring, and I'm talking starters reps, reps with the first team, you know, he's going to have to make that adjustment from high school to college speed. But he's a guy who has, I think, limitless potential with what he can do. You've seen some say he's a linebacker. Some think he's a safety. He can move around. There was even some thought that he might potentially be an offensive player, uh, given sort of the deficiencies that Georgia might have there. I think Malachi Starks is in a position where if he really hits the ground running this spring, I think he's a guy that can make a quick impact for Georgia next season and play contributing snaps for the Bulldogs in a variety of packages. And I'll throw to Corey Thomas in there as well. Just given, you know what Georgia has at safety. One name I will also mention he's got, I think in terms of probably the numbers in front of him, the easiest path to playing time it's Dalen Everett. Georgia right now only has four cornerbacks on scholarship this spring. One of them is Keely Rango. So you, you obviously pencil him in as a starting cornerback, but Kamari Lasseter, who I feel very good about as a starting cornerback for Georgia, you know, he's probably going to start opposite Ringo on that. It's Nyland green. And then it's Dalen Everett. And Everett's coming from IMG, which is obviously a, you know, a, a, a college football factory in terms of the way they prepare you and get you ready to play and contribute early. So I would think the three safety guys, three, three secondary guys that are early enrollees, Dalen Everett, DeCory Thomas and Malachi Starks all have a chance to make an, a year one impact, but long-term, Give me Michael Williams and Marvin Jones Jr. I think those guys could be really, really freaky pass rushers. And I'll give you a guy from the offensive side of the ball. Give me Oscar Dell. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously he's gonna deal with Brock Bowers' comparisons year one, probably throughout the rest of his career, but a long, talented pass catcher, a guy who I think could split out a little bit even more than Brock can. He's a little bit bigger than Brock as well, so I think he has potential to add to his frame there, but I think a very talented pass catcher, a weapon in, in the tight end room. He might have some guys in front of him in Brock and Darnell, but I think Oscar Delp is going to be a part of this offense sooner rather than later. Let's see. Let's maybe do one or two more good questions here. Uh, let's let's keep rolling. Uh, Bill Kibby, I do see your comment. If I don't see anything better. I might I might end on that. Yeah, you know what? Scott Green's asking about him. Both the Green Soldier and the older Scott Green. Why not? Uh Arik Gilbert. So he is with the team. He is enrolled at the University of Georgia. He was spotted with the team at the championship celebration. I think those are all positive signs from Arik. Obviously, he stepped away from the team last August. Uh as far as expectations for him and what he might be able to do, I have none. Uh, I, I want to see Eric get healthy. I want to see him put himself in a position to contribute. Uh, go through practices, make it through you know spring practice, make it through make it through the fall. And obviously, the, the expectations that come given his high recruiting ranking, I do think they're going to. You know, lead to questions being asked about him. People want to know. We had five, six questions asked about him in, in the last, you know, 30 seconds before addressing it. And so you have all that pressure that comes with that. I want to see him, you know, uh, obviously away from the exposure in the media limelight that comes with, you know, being the highest rated tight end prospect in the history of modern recruiting rankings. I want to see him get in a place where he's put himself in a position to contribute and then maybe we'll see what he's able to do for Georgia in terms of on the football field talent. I would think maybe you play him more wide receiver potentially, unless, you know, depending on where his GPS numbers are, maybe you move him back down to tight end and he's vying for time with Darnell and Brock Bowers. But again, Arikel was one of the best high school players from the state of Georgia. We've seen in recent times. And you hope, I hope first and foremost, that he gets himself in a position where he is able to contribute on the field, in terms of doing all the right things and getting his body in shape and being an everyday contributor to the University of Georgia and to this football team, because he's got to take care of that first before we worry about what he does for Georgia on a down to down basis. So we will answer and end the night there with Arik Gilbert. Um, and that'll be it. Um, thanks again for tuning in, guys. Uh, we do this every Tuesday night. Connor on coverage at 6 30, a little bit late tonight, but. More often than not, we'll be right on time there. Uh, Tomorrow night, before the hedges, Jeff Sintel, 8-ish p.m. Wrapping up a full day of coverage from Dog Nation. He's going to be live on hand for Christian Miller's announcement at Cedar Grove High School at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Dog Nation will be there as well. Have video coverage of the day for you there. We'll do one last run-through of who is announcing when tomorrow. National signing day days and times to know. Dylan Bell and Darius Smith, Georgia commits, are expected to sign at 8.30 and 9.30, respectively. Christian Miller and Jordan James both go off at 12 p.m. He's not on your graphic, but Andrew Paul, running back target, is expected to announce at 12.20 p.m., And then five-star prospect Jamar Stewart at one thirty. EJ Lightsey wraps things up at 2 p.m. Kirby Smart is set to speak tomorrow. We will have you cover there. Mike is down at the Senior Bowl. Obviously, he had his on the beat from there last night, and we'll have tons of coverage in the coming days for what is next. And obviously, Dog Nation Daily every Monday through Friday. We believe we have fixed any audio issues, so there's no echo there going forward. So we'll be back there. We had cover four on Sunday. We might, we might be changing up the way we do cover four and have it more as a sort of reactionary to breaking news than doing it every Thursday night, but we'll play around with that in the off season. But, my name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor Uncovered. We'll be back at 6.30 next Tuesday night talking the latest in Georgia news, notes, coverage, recapping, recruiting day. we talking about who Georgia has hired as their potential 10th assistant coach that is still yet to be filled. So with all that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name is Connor Riley for Dog Nation.